Shalom and Shavua Tov from Israel. Welcome to this, the third Israel News Podcast for the week of December 21st. Brought to you by IsraTransfer.com, Israel's most trusted money exchange expert. My name is Adam Malaman and I'm your host for this weekly podcast. And I want to thank everyone for the amazing response we've had to last week's podcast. Um, that featured Rabbi Dov Lipman uh, talking about the elections, and we it, it just amazing number of of listens. So thank you. Uh, you can now find us on iTunes, Spotify, Castbox, and all the other places where podcasts can be heard. If you enjoyed this, then please please spread the word. That would be the greatest gift that you could give us. At the end of this video. Uh, Daniel Engelsman, co-founder of Israel Transfer, will give us a brief rundown of the shaka rates as we start the week. And after the news summary, I'll be talking with Gedalia Borvik, founder of My Israel Home, about how Israel has greatly improved the protections it offers to people who buy property on paper, i.e. not yet built. You might be aware of some of the horror stories of these things, where people lost a lot of money putting down payments on properties, throwing money into those properties, and they were never built, or other kind of horror stories. Uh, They come from a few years ago, and you'll find that things have changed. Gedalia will explain more. If you're doing business with Israel, if you're buying property, if you're making Aliyah in the near future, which we really hope you are, then make sure you catch the daily shekel rates and analysis videos with Daniel and myself, which we post on the Israel Transfer Facebook and LinkedIn pages every Monday through Thursday. Okay, now on with the key stories which are driving the news in Israel as we go into this new week. And it won't be any surprise to anybody that once again, we're starting with the coronavirus, which is dominating the news on several fronts. Uh, Last night here in Israel, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu became the first Israeli to receive the vaccine ahead of the National Vaccine Program's commencement, which I believe has actually been brought forward to today. Certainly originally dated the 27th, but I think you can now do it. Uh, Anyway, the vaccination was broadcast live on TV here in Israel. And here is that moment. You heard Bibi's voice there saying, one small injection for a man, one giant leap for the health of us all. Uh, That was the exact moment that he got the shot. And after getting the Pfizer vaccine, Bibi added that if uh, if there's public cooperation, Israel could be one of the first countries to end the pandemic. Uh, He was also then given his green or his vaccinated passport that will allow him to travel the world Um, in safety, I guess, without lots of tests. Okay, the vaccine program couldn't have come at a better time because the number of people testing positive for COVID-19 here in Israel is rising rapidly again and we're facing increasing restrictions and a possible third lockdown as we head into the new year. Last week, we saw almost 3,000 cases a day. That's the highest in over two months. 
At today's coronavirus cabinet meeting, the health minister, Yuli Edelstein, who also got a vaccine last night, is expected to argue for sweeping restrictions on commercial activity. Although several ministers are expected to try to block that, they're more concerned about economic impact. At the same time, the school system is seeing increasing numbers of classes entering isolation, uh, which we call bidud, and an increasing number of schools are returning entire grades, even whole schools, to Zoom learning. Another concern is the emergence of a new, more infectious variant of the coronavirus, which is particularly prevalent in Britain and has forced London and I think 18 million British people into what Boris Johnson calls Tier 4, which is basically a lockdown. In response, Israel's health ministry announced on Sunday morning that it would recommend that people not be allowed to enter the country from South Africa, Denmark or the United Kingdom. And in addition, the Ynet News Agency are reporting that the cabinet will recommend that people coming into the country from Australia and New Zealand stay in quarantine in a coronavirus hotel upon their return. And last night, which was Saturday evening at the time of recording, the health ministry announced that as of December 26th, all countries, all countries will be designated as red red destinations. That's part of combating the recent spike in morbidity rates. This means that starting on December 26th, Israelis returning from any country will have to enter quarantine for 14 days. Or if they choose, they can be tested when they get back here uh, with a second test nine days later. And if those tests are negative, then they can leave quarantine after 10 days. The reason that the delay to the 26th is to allow those Israelis abroad to get back without facing unexpected uh, restrictions and burdens. Let's move on for coronavirus. Yay! Uh, Yes, there are other news stories. And our lead story from last week is the fourth round of Israeli elections. These are still not confirmed at the time of recording. And if elections are to be avoided, the government will need to pass a budget by midnight on Tuesday of this week. Yes, we don't have a budget. We haven't had a budget for over two years now, which has major implications to the way ministries are able to approve new projects and increase funding. However, passing that budget would seem to be virtually impossible at this late stage. The other avenue open to saving the government would be for Likud and Blue and White to pass legislation to delay the budget yet again. That would mean that Bibi and Benny Gantz would have reached an agreement on the other major issue dividing them, which is control over judicial and legal appointments. However, Both parties seem far apart on that issue, and even if they were to reach an agreement, the very fractured Knesset would have to approve that further budget delay, which experts think would be a very difficult thing for the government to get through the Knesset. If you haven't heard my interview on these machinations and possible outcomes to an election that I conducted with former uh, MK Dov Lippmann, then check out last week's podcast. The interview starts at seven minutes. It is extremely interesting. He is one of Israel's most respected commentators uh, with a unique perspective and insight as a former Chava Knesset. So the economic damage done to Israel's economy by the COVID-19 pandemic is actually less than initially thought. That's according to the Central Bureau of Statistics. Their data shows that the, the economy shrank by 2.8% in the first 
three quarters of this year. That's compared with the corresponding period in 2019. They originally estimated that the Israeli economy would contract by 3% uh, between January and September. This damage to the economy by the pandemic has been far less severe than in most other developed countries. And the reason for that, according to Globes, is in part due to the strong showing by Israeli exports, particularly the high tech sector. This is despite the very strong shekel, which you would expect to actually restrict exports. However, the 2020 report by Israel Poverty and Food Insecurity NGO Latet found that poverty in Israel was at unprecedented levels, with the percentage of households living in economic distress rising from 24.1% to 38.6% over the past year. The number of families living below the poverty line rose from 20.1% or 582,000 in 2019 to 29.3% in 2020. That's eight. 150,000 people. They also discovered that the beleaguered middle classes in Israel shrank by 15.5% due to COVID-19, and only 25% of Israeli households are listed as doing fine economically. And now today's in-depth feature. And I recently spoke with Gedalia Borvik. He is the CEO of My Israel Home. Uh, about buying new property on paper. In other words, property that hasn't yet been built. You buy the plan. This is part of a more comprehensive interview um, that I did with Gedalia and that's been uploaded a couple of days ago as a separate podcast. You'll find that and it is fascinating and just full of his expertise, both of new property and buying existing property. And you'll find that invaluable interview wherever this podcast has been listed. For years, we heard these terrible, I remember growing up, my parents' friends, they bought on paper in a new project in, in Harnov, and there were problems, and it took many years until they yeah. got the keys, um, and that scares off a lot of people. And I've heard the horror stories from people who did this a few right. years ago. Yeah, I was going to ask you about right. that. Right. Well, I'm, okay, great. Because I'll, because you hear these horror stories about people buying on paper in the past. Unfortunately, about a dozen years ago, a very large company, one of the largest developers in Israel went under. It's called Chepziba. And the developer did a lot of what we would call unkosher things. Co-mingling of funds, money comes from one account for one project, being another project. You know, uh, hey, he was he wanted, I think, marrying off a kid. He told some people you could pay in cash. I mean, all these are things right. like that will make you and me cringe, right? Juggling, juggling is great until you drop the balls. And then it's right. not so great. Right. And it was terrible. And a lot of people, when he went under, a lot of really good people suffered tremendously financially. And the government realized they had to put um, rules into place to protect the end users, the buyers. And so they put in a number of, of, of laws protecting the buyers. So one law that they put into place is that you can't sell, a developer cannot sell on paper or off plan in a new project unless they give, there's a few exceptions, but we're going to stay with, the, with the, the, the main rule. They have to give a bank guarantee. Right. A bank guarantee means that the bank guarantees, it's like an insurance policy, that the developer will complete the project 
And if for any reason developer goes under, the bank will give back your money or they will complete the project at no additional cost to you. Okay? So that's the first thing you get a bank guarantee. And it's not just a small bank like Gedalia's bank, you know, but it's one of the large banks in Israel. So the people are protected. Okay. Now, it's not just a bank guarantee, but that means the bank is involved because the bank doesn't want this developer to go under, the builder to go under. So all the monies, when a buyer purchases a home, all the monies gets paid to the bank. They have an escrowed account, and then the bank meets out the funds to the developer every month. Once the developer does two things, one, they show all the bills of the work they've done, and number two, the bank's engineer will go to the project to make sure that all these bills match up to the activity that was completed. So if they show a bills for the two elevators, they want to make sure that the two elevators are in this project and not somewhere else. Or if there's if they tiled up 100 bathrooms, show us the 100 bathrooms. I was even in a project once. I walked through and there was a large X on one of the walls in a bathroom. And I said to my partner, Eliezer Goldberg, I said, Eliezer, what's this X? He says, the bank was in, their engineer, and he's making them redo the wall. So the bank, wow. you know, because they have a vested interest to make sure that it's done properly, the the bank is is going to be watching over every step of the developer, which really protects the the buyers of the property. And they're strict. You're saying they're actually doing it. It's not just on paper. They're so strict, in fact, that you they're really partners with the developer. If if the developer wants to sign a contract. Um, at a certain price, they can't. They cannot sign that contract until the bank agrees to it. The bank says that price is too low. They can reject the deal. We once had a situation with a project that was completed five years earlier. For whatever reason, the penthouse units were not sold. Long story short, we sold it. But we showed up to the contract. The price was four million one fifty, and they thought it was a rubber stamp. They called the bank. We're selling off the unit. It's four million one fifty, and the bank said, "Wait one second. It's 4.3 million was the lowest agreed upon price. If they will not pay 4.3 million, the deal's off. Wow. The buyer, understandably very upset, you know, he stood up, he walked out in a huff, and that was that. He came back a week later because it still was a good deal of 4.3 million. But that's a great example, even after the project was completed. But because there was this bank guarantee, the developer didn't have carte blanche to charge whatever they wanted to charge. So you see this, basically, this bank guarantee serves as a checks and balances to make sure that the developer is doing things properly, both financially and also uh, in terms of the construction that they're building well. So when people hear the horror stories that we've all heard and know of, they're almost certainly going to be from 10, 15 years ago. And that, what you're saying is that that situation is very different now. Yes. You know, it's an in- interesting point that you bring up because that's true. What these, because of these, and there's also other laws, like if the developer doesn't complete the project at the, the date that was agreed upon in the contract, they have to start paying you rent. They have a two-month grace period, but then they have to start right. paying you rent. And it's at one and a half times the market value. So they have all wow. these incentives for the developer to uh, complete the project in a timely manner. My sincere thanks to Gedalia Borvik. Please check out the full interview I did with him, which we've uploaded as a separate podcast. Anybody with any interest in purchasing property in Israel will find that absolutely invaluable. Okay, anybody who follows Israel Transfer's Facebook page or LinkedIn account will know that every day we post a video with the daily shekel rates and some analysis. 
And here is my co-host in those videos, Daniel Engelsman, the co-founder of the company, who will tell us in brief where the rates stand as we go into the new week. Okay, so this year we thought couldn't get much stranger or worse. And, um, well, last 48 hours or so have really, uh, you know, started to change things a little bit. We still seem to be no closer to be getting a Brexit deal or agreement. This could run literally to the last day of the year, which is really uh, stressful, I guess, for the markets. And the markets don't like instability. And that's why sterling fell quite considerably uh, late on Friday. Fell from about 4.41 to 4.37.70. Then uh, yesterday, the UK announced that certain parts uh, were going to be going into a tier four, which has a lot of effects on people it's like a lockdown but for certain parts of the country and the big impact of it is that you know the uk being a christian country and christmas being a huge part of what they do and the culture of the uk and now christmas is basically cancelled for um, about 16 million people in the uk really really has a negative effect on sterling and it'll be interesting to see how the markets open tomorrow when they do open but yeah so we've got brexit still going on new lockdowns in the uk covid crisis still getting worse and worse uh, across the globe in in the us and uh, europe and you know in israel here at home uh, numbers are getting worse and worse um, but it's not really affecting our, us in terms of the exchange rates and the strength of the shekel as much as other currencies. So this is, you know, strength in the shekel purely based on the fact that Israel is doing better than the rest of the world, even though Israel isn't doing that well itself. So, you know, we ended the week with dollar shekel at 3.237. Uh, the euro ended at 3.9677 and sterling ended at 4.3772. Uh, it will be an interesting week ahead, even with a shorter week with Christmas holidays coming up. So it's going to be an interesting last two weeks of the year. Thank you, Daniel. And if that was of any value, then please check out the daily videos on the Israel Transfer Facebook page and LinkedIn account. And thank you for staying with us to the end of this third edition of the Israel News Summary brought to you by Israel Transfer. Please subscribe wherever you're listening to this and a like, a share, etc. That would be very much appreciated. Of course, if you want to buy or sell shekels, then you should visit www.israeltransfer.com and you can also access some mining information about Israel's financial system, buying property and investment in Israel in the Israel Transfer blog. I'll be back at the start of next week, all being well, with another episode. And until then, have a great week. And, oh yeah, happy holidays for those listeners celebrating Christmas, uh, which comes at the end of the week. And finally, the Hitra'ot from Israel. <laughs>